Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And isn't it grand out there? Lovely, lovely afternoon to be out there cruising around, soaking up the sunshine. How about we spend a couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show, and uh, we'll go ahead and engage in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news and politics. We'll talk recreation and uh, etiquette. We've got some etiquette to discuss. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, have a, we'll have a good time. It's going to be one of our normal, rollicking, fun two hours of programming. Uber producer Dan Peters is in the studio with us today, as most days. Thanks for spending some time with us, whether you're out there cruising around, as forementioned, in your car, got the windows down, got the radio blaring, listening to a little crazy talk radio. I know how you are. I hear you people. Don't think I don't. Maybe you're streamed live on KSO.com as you're whiling away the last few hours of the workday, looking out the window, plaintively hoping that you can catch a little bit of sun later. Uh, Maybe you got that KSO mobile app. And I should mention at the outset that if you download the KSO mobile app now, today, you get like a chance to win some twins tickets. Isn't that right, Dan? Twins tickets? Twins tickets. Tickets. (laughs) You can get yourself some Twins tickets. All all you got to do is download the app. There's a drawing of some sort. I don't don't know know the details of it, but just go get the app and you'll figure it out. KSOO and all of your basic uh, uh, app stores. You put in K-S-O-O and it pops up and you'll be fine. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live at the KSOO page or our Twitter account at P. Lally Show. And, uh, you know, you can throw us a message there, chat with us. Dan's always punching stuff out. It's a good time. Uh, like I said, hey, did you, uh, we've been talking about this poet's table thing up in the hills. Okay, you know? yeah, the, the woman, the women have been identified. They have been identified. And I was, I said yesterday, I was of two minds on this. On one hand, I want to know. And, and they were charged with vandalism or something like that. So they were charged with something, so their names have to be public. I get that. I just, on one hand, I feel kind of bad for them. You know, they said they just didn't think they just didn't think that the, that table belonged up there. It wasn't part of the original hills. And as a friend of the show, Corey Heidelberger, pointed out uh, on DakotaFreePress.com, uh, lots of things weren't in the hills originally, <laughs> including people, <laughs> people, Mount Rushmore, uh, white people on motorcycles. Um, yeah. So. Ouch. And uh, slot machines. Slot machines weren't there. Uh, highways through Spearfish Canyon. Decks of cards. Gold mining. <laughs> so, you know, if you, that's, they just, I, I, I'm, I like to think that these uh, two young ladies were just, I, I don't know if it, the naive is the right term. Uh, that Misguided, are, I would misguided, say. Misguided is a good word. Um, but again, they did bring a saw. <laughs> You can hear it on the videos. Uh, I somebody had to along the way say, you know, maybe that's not such a good idea. You know what? The next person that gets the goofy idea of trying to get rid of the M on the hill there in Rapid City, yeah, then they then th- this is going to have to become an epidemic. I yeah, <laughs> that's right. I've been up on the M. That's probably a story for a different day. It's kind of a long story. Uh, and it uh, it starts at Shotgun Willie's, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that story right now. I got to be in a different mood because I am kind of in a mood today. I I'm I'm not going to go into the details because it's not it's not important. But you know politics, it's it's going to be fine, right, Dan? Everything worked out. Yep, we will we will patch things together. Uh, speaking of politics, uh, I got to tell you people. There's a debate tonight, the Goobers, gubernatorial debate for the Republican primary between one Congresswoman Christy Nome and one Attorney General Marty Jackley, live tonight down at the Orpheum, and it is sponsored, uh, it's, it's, play, it's playing live on the CW, which is, of course, KSFY, that's their second channel, right? Because now they've all got multiple channels, so that's their second channel, 13.2 if you're getting it over the airwaves. Uh, I don't remember what it is on cable, 
but it's not that high up. Yeah, there. depending upon which service you use. I think if you go to KSFY tonight, it'll probably be scrolling across the bottom. Or watch the, the KSFY News with my friend Brian Allen and Courtney. And uh, anyway, so they're hosting the big debate tonight, and it's broadcast. And then at 7, 8.30, so the debate's at 7. At 8.30, post-game analysis with yours truly. It's true. Whoa. Yeah. TV, baby. TV. Well, they haven't make you, you haven't put the makeup on yet, so no, you're still I'm gonna fresh. Need, I'm going to need a powder. Somebody get me a powder. I did I did shave my head this morning though, so I'll be I'll be very very closely cropped, looking good. Probably wearing a suit, suit and tie. You figure you probably got to wear a tie for this sort of thing, don't you? Yeah, it is it is a, a, a it will put you in the right frame of mind to right. be able to deliver your analysis. Very official. And then that's what I'll be doing tonight about 8:30. Uh, Tune in on the CW. I think I'll actually I'm going to live tweet I think the debate at P Lally show. Because I'm going to be sitting there watching it anyway, taking notes. I'll just live tweet it for you good people. If you're not able to watch, or if you just want to get my impressions as we're going, live tweets. So that will be fun. The, the, best, in, the best in local political analysis right there at the P. Lally Show this evening. Should be really fun. I think it's going to be sharp elbows, gloves off, bare knuckles brawl at the Orpheum. Oh, man. It, and, and I tell you what. It it makes me think about this pledge that yeah. Marty Jackley wanted to <laughs> put out at the be- at the outset of this campaign, yeah, and say, hey, let's just kind of make sure we do things above board and, yeah. and we'll we'll treat each other with respect, yeah. And you kind of wonder if someone knew that they had the goods, oh, yeah. on the other, oh, or that yeah. the other one was, boy, I hope they don't have the goods on me because there's been a lot of goods coming. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> quite a few goods. So uh, we'll be talking about that, and uh, we've got uh, we're sort of probably discussing that as we go. In fact, we'll be talking about politics later in the show as well. And uh, you know, it's I just think it's going to be it's great political theater. If you're a political person, these are sort of the times you like because you've got two candidates who, by the polling, are pretty closely placed. But you know, to be frank, Marty's been taking some body blows. And it'll be see it'll be interesting to see what he what his counterpunch is tonight, and uh, how that how that plays out. So it's it's going to be fun. Seven o'clock on the CW, which is KSFY, and uh, Big Brian Allen will be down there, and uh, I'll be I'll be in the studio. I'll be comfortably sitting in the studio, live tweeting, and then eight thirty, post game analysis with me. So, and I'm not alone, but I'll be on there. So that'll be fun. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. Our guests include, well, we're going to start with the Smart Cyclist because it's Thursday. And uh, Michael Christensen, he'll be in for Weird Friends. Um, he and I have been talking about, you know, bike trail etiquette. And we there's some things that we need to talk about. Bike trail, very popular in these good days, these warm days. And we just we need to chat a little bit about that. And he's got some tips. Also, e-bikes are becoming an issue. So we'll talk about that as well. Um, our friend Scott Erisman is going to be here for a bit. Four o'clock, he'll be in for a couple segments. Uh, we may talk about uh, school board stuff, actually, but I'm sure he's got a lot to say about all kinds of things. And then Republican candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives, Chantel Krebs, currently the Secretary of State. She'll be on the phone somewhere between here and Pierre. So that'll be fun. So that's a that's a power-packed show right there. I think we've got a stout lineup for today. Yeah, I feel good about it. So I hope you'll stay with us. We're going to come right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 319 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Everybody wants to live how they want to live. And everybody wants to love how they want to love. Everybody wants to be closer to Indeed, indeed, we want to be a little closer to free with our friends, the Bodines, and it is P&L statement time of the day, and let's get right to it. So the big report came out from your Sioux Falls School Board, well, School District, uh, that is if you live in the Sioux Falls School District, which is, you know, a lot of you, but not all of you. But, you know, we're all interested, right? We're all interested because the issues affect us all. And uh, the big price tag, drum roll, $190 million. 
$190 million, $190 million for new schools. So this is the deal. We need a new high school. We need a new middle school. Uh, what else do we need? We need uh, a new, probably a new elementary school. And yeah, uh, some other stuff. There's some other goodies tacked in there. There's uh, expanding Horace Mann. There's rebuilding Cleveland Elementary Gym. Uh, some security ADA stuff. Other projects. Land purchases for the Whittier deal. $14 million in inflation. Yada, yada, yada. All good stuff, right? $190 million. So the high school part of that, $82.4 million. $82.4 million for new high school that they are looking at. They're recommending this board. So there's a task force, right? Task force making these recommendations to the board. And they've been meeting for a while. And uh, so this is what they came up with. Because we got problems. we got issues. We're, we're, we're full. We're full. We've had Brian Maher on this program, Superintendent Brian Maher. And he says, you it's full. So we know what we got to do. So there's the new high school probably out there on that Sanford land. That's what they're recommending by the Sanford Sanford Sports Complex in the northwest part of town. A new middle school, which would be on the southeast side, $43.1 million. I think that would bring us to six middle schools. Six. I'd have to count them in my head quick, but I'm not going to do that. Six. So, and then a, a new elementary campus by 2024 $17.6 million. Yep, you roll it all together. What's it going to cost you? Uh, they're saying it's not so bad. Okay, that sounds like a lot of money, right? What uh, they say, the school board uh, or the uh, task force in the district say that uh, it would cost the average taxpayer less than $24 a year. An average home valued at $185,000 will see an additional $2 per month to hit their wallets if the bond passes, according to the district. Um, yeah, so it would be 25 years, 4% interest. Uh, it's whew, 190 million. That's here's the deal. So there would be a vote in September separate from the primer, from the uh, general, which I don't know. There's good and bad to that, but it's, uh, it, it, we need new schools. We know that the numbers don't lie. Second, that number is going to scare the crap out of people. Um, and they were kind of trying to soften the ground, you know, soften up the, the battlefield a little bit by saying, it might be 150 million. And it turned out to be 190 million. Then uh, that's going to be a big number. The challenge for the district and uh, Superintendent Maher is that they got to sell this thing, right? People aren't just going to vote for it because, and that's going to take a lot. They're doing all the right things in, uh, in, my, in terms of getting people community input and buy-in. The problem here is that there are a lot of people out there who aren't going to really pay any attention to that. They're not going to give input or study. They're just going to look at the number, yearn for the old days, and say no. The other big problem is that you got to get 60%, which is a threshold. It's a significant threshold. That's a big hill on the best of days. Uh, that said, I, you know, it, 24 bucks a year for the average household. Now, if you got a $500,000 house, it's going to be, you know, more, but... If you got a five hundred thousand dollar house, you can you can cover it. I think. All right. It's I think it's a minor individual investment in the big scheme of things in order to have quality schools. I'm happy they are committed to the Whittier site. The biggest mistake uh, I think that we could make right now would be to go would be to back down from investment in the core of the city. It's a major challenge for city government uh, as well. But the schools in the city have to work hand in hand on this. It's a big one and not easily addressed, but it would be a huge step backward to continue to press development in the fringes without committing to the middle. Open enrollment is a problem for Sioux Falls, okay? And there's, uh, we've seen an increase in open enrollment in the city, and it's, it's not just in the influx of students, but in the movement around, which makes it difficult. And it could be argued that it would be much worse if those kids were enrolling into the suburban districts, meaning if we had like a, a net loss of kids, that would be a different kind of problem. But this is a, a whole different slate of problems when you got people coming in. In my mind, the state is a side note. Okay, side note, sidebar. The state really needs to revisit open enrollment. It causes a lot of problems. I think they at least need to make it tougher. Um, I know why they do it, and it's fine. But it causes districts a lot of problems. 
but that's not the issue before us today. It's the issue is 190 million. Uh, it's also quite possible here, I think, that the board, school board itself, will come back, scale the thing back uh, for the sake of lowering the sticker shock, you know, um, maybe spread it out, do whatever they got to do. Um, but the need is there. The need is real. It's not Taj Mahal's. It's not unnecessary spending on teachers or, you know, books or supplies. It's schools. It's brick and mortar, and you got to do it. All in all, at this early stage, I'd vote for it. I'd vote for it. Now, there may be something in there that would change my mind, but I'd vote for it. Um, it's going to be a tough road, though, and uh, I wish them all the luck. We'll get Superintendent Maher back in here. He was in here a couple of months ago when this process started, and we talked about it. Uh, but we will get him back before the vote for sure, but sometime within the next several weeks, and we'll chat about the details and let him give his pitch because that's what he does. He's Superintendent Brian Maher, and he'll do that very well. That's the bottom line on today's P&L statement. You can agree or disagree with me, of course. I'm just one guy. I just happen to have a microphone. Email me, patrick at ksoo.com, or on the Twitter at P. Lally Show. We always love to hear from you. Coming up after the news and weather with one Mr. Dan Peters, we'll chat with the smart cyclist Michael Christensen on Weird Friends. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 334 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And uh, the smart cyclist Michael Christensen is here in the studio for Weird Friends, and we're rocking out. Good times. Nothing better than a couple of uh, middle-aged, not-thin more one more bald than other guys rocking out in a in a uh, studio, right? Let's get weird. <laughs> My day's already been weird. As I said in the open, I'm in a mood, Michael. A mood. I've got and it's not it's it started out bad. It's getting better. It's getting better as the show goes on, but it started poorly. From where I'm sitting, you're pretty okay. Okay. Hey, thanks, man. I, we got the we got the complaints off the chest. <laughs> If you were happen to be watching on Facebook Live, you probably learned more than you wanted to know. I will uh I will cheer you up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. So uh smart cyclist Michael Christensen is here. We always talk about we we talk a lot about cycling and recreation and planning and development, all that kind of stuff. But we figured it was time. It's warm out again. The 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 the, the good days, the weekend days are packed out, out on your uh out on the bike trail. Yes. And it's maybe time for a bit of a refresher. And spring and May and bike month is always the time to remember to be safe. An etiquette. An etiquette. Just be nice. It's the beginning of the season. Getting along. Yes. Living in a we're living in a society here. Yes. We we are communal whether you like it or not. That's right. And so And sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. And so let's talk about uh some basic yeah, bike trail etiquette because everybody complains about it, right? If you're out walking and with a friend and somebody comes by you on a bike, yeah, and they're doing you know 12, 15 miles an hour, it's yes. not that fast on a bike, but it seems fast when you're walking. It does seem fast when you're so walking. typically in that scenario, whether it's walkers or uh, you know people with their dogs or you know some of these other things. And you're on the bike, which is the fastest thing out there generally, except for the kid on a longboard who passed me last night because that guy was cooking. Um, (laughs) What's the basic etiquette, Michael? What do you tell people as president of the Falls Area Bicyclists and a uh, certified instructor with the League of American Bicyclists? uh, What do you tell people? Such lofty titles. I'll try to live up to them. It's credible. That's what it is. I'll try to live up to them. Um, I love talking about the physics of riding a bicycle on the bike trail. And the the physics of your voice saying on your left. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I like the on your left announcement, right? Do you? Yes, um, because I think it's helpful. Um, because you can have you can have people walking along and just boom, turn around, change directions, move over to the left side of the trail, and change direction and come at you. Mm-hmm. And and an on your left goes a long way to alleviate that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and, and that's one of my favorite pieces is that 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 little fade to the left. It happened to me a couple of days ago. I'm, I'm riding along and um, the walker started to move over to the left, not quite committing to a turnaround yet, but my eyes w- opened wide and I paid attention. And and sure enough, once you got just about halfway, half just about to the middle of the trail, just plain reverse direction right into my right into me. Right. Um, but I was already making my adjustments for that. Um, and, and ran off the trail. It was a fine, fine place to run off the trail. Um, there were no hazards or penalties for running <laughs> off the trail, which other places along the trail, there's not such, it's not such a forgive, not so forgiving, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, that on your left audibly, um, is, is a key piece. Um, any, any kid, any parent, any couple walking along, but then the physics of that. So doing 20 miles an hour, you're traveling 30 feet per second. And so the question is, how long does it take a human walking person to hear that message, right? So first you, you say on your left, and they have to process that. Mm-hmm. You, have, you might have to cut through somebody's conversation to get that in there, right? Mm-hmm. So that takes some time. And, and then you got to think, oh, what was the message? I heard it now. What's the message? Oh, somebody's on my left. And then you gotta, then you gotta choose the right behavior, right? Are you gonna? Do you move to the right to get out of the way? Mm-hmm. Did you hear? Go to your left, mm-hmm. and so you go left, and so you gotta process all that. And let's pretend somebody's got lightning quick reflexes and does it in three seconds, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're traveling thirty feet per second, we're talking about being thirty yards away when you say on your left. Yeah. So then you're talking about yelling it because you're a ways away, right? And, and yeah, that's, that's too far away for a, a kind, gentle, hey, I'm on your left. Right. It's, it's yelling it, and is that worth it? Hey! Hey, I'm <laughs> on your left! For every single of the million people that you pass on the bike trail between Yankton and, and right. Falls Park. Right. Um, and so, so, yeah, just playing that physics, I just don't think people realize just how, how you can't hear that message or process it in time by human physics. Yeah. And so part of that is slow down. That right. changes the, the formula. The slower you go, the closer you can be when you say, I'm on your left. Mm-hmm. The slower you go, the more polite it all, the whole interaction seems. However, even at, okay, 10 is, 10 miles an hour is a casual pace uh, and a normal pace for a lot of people. Okay. I, on the bike trail, might ride when there's people around, I mean, it's, it's different when you're out by the airport, but mm-hmm. when you're cruising along 12, 13, that's normal. Mm-hmm. 15 is not out of the question. Um, but above 15, I think you are starting to flirt with a disaster a little bit. Yeah. And, and the disaster could be yours. Yes. Um, could be mine. Um, on some level, I figure I've just gotten lucky that I haven't been hurt. And so I can claim, yeah, I'm doing every, anybody who hasn't been in a collision on the bike trail thinks they're doing it right. Yep. And there's no evidence to dispute that. And I think I'm doing it right. But I also at the same time acknowledge that I could learn a different lesson (laughs) on any given day. So, so yeah, that the, the practice of announcing your presence, especially with kids around, I try and match their speed. I make it a point to say, Hey kid, mm-hmm. nice purple bike, mm-hmm. nice pink bike and, and streamers. Those are awesome. Keep riding. Mm-hmm. One, it's good for the kid to hear that. But two, I'm matching their speed, which means I can avoid any weird, strange behavior that they do happen to, to present to me. Yeah. And so, so I, I kind of take it, well, it's a penalty that I got to slow down to this walking. I got to slow down to match the speed, but, but at the same time, let's make it worth it. And, say, yeah. hey, and there are responsibilities on the other side, dog, people with dogs, you need to keep the leash short. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. There's, there's rules in other cities. I don't know if it's in ours, but six foot leash for yeah. a dog. And minimum. it's, it's fine to walk your dog and uh, I don't yeah. have a problem with that, but just, you got to be aware Yeah. Two, when you do have kids out there on their little bikes and it's awesome. Teach them. This is the yeah. chance to teach them to stay right. Right, right. And that, for that, I go back to the whole drivers that experience, where you get these these fourteen year olds out on the roads in cars and drivers ed education, mm-hmm. and they got they're facing this world of people who have been driving for thirty years. Mm-hmm. And how do you teach them how to drive? You got to stick them in there, and hopefully, and hope that the sticker on it says "drivers education," <laughs> that, that everybody's polite to the guy and forgiving. Well, the the kids the same thing. You know, yeah. get the kids out there. Yes, they're learning and help them learn by by being friendly instead of. 
instead of mom screaming in a panic, mm-hmm. biker come and get to the right. <laughs> and so then they look over their left shoulder. They, turn to, they right look over you. and turn left because they're trying to, because mom's freaking out. Mm-hmm. Well, how about we not freak out mom? And then we don't freak out kids. <laughs> and then, oh, bicycling can be safe. Everybody's going to be fine. I, uh, uh, two, two things quickly. One, I've gone to the word passing because naturally we drive on the right, yeah. we pass on the left. Yep. I've gone to passing or a bell, yeah. a little ding, ding. You can get some really cool ones now. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be a big circular jobber up on top of your handlebar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those, those work well. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is my, my roadie friends, and I'm, I feel your pain, people, okay, <laughs> I, on the road bike. And it's not, and honest to God, it's not always, the, it's usually not the experienced roadies. It's people who have a bike and they like to go fast every once in a while. Or they just, it, you, you just got to, the physics of it, you just have to take that into consideration. And you maybe can't ride 20 miles an hour in a group. Yeah, and part of that physics is a collision. You're just as likely, I'm just as likely to get injured mm-hmm. as as the walker, as the yep. as the perceived person serving the injustice. And, yeah. and I still want to ride my bike tomorrow. No matter how fast I want to go today, I still want to ride my bike tomorrow. Yes, and also people with headphones. You got to, if you're riding or walking or whatever you're doing, it's fine you're wearing the headphones, but you have to be self-aware. Right. You now can't hear what's coming. Right. So you better either walk on the grass, which is fine. It's lovely grass. It is. Uh, or wear one headphone. Yeah. Something, people. Yep. Or be, Just, a, be aware that you can't hear and that is hazardous. So turn it down enough that you can. That is the bike trail etiquette portion of the program. We'll be uh, snipping this out, piece of audio, and using it as a public service announcement across the great community. From right? the Patrick Lally Show. Yeah, PSA. PSA. Be nice. Be safe. Uh, we're going to come right back with Michael Christensen, the smart, smart cyclist, and we're going to talk about e-bikes, which are becoming huge, and there's a lot of very interesting issues that go with them that you probably haven't considered. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 348 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we continue to rock out here with the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen. Uh, Michael, we were talking about bicycle etiquette earlier. Yes, uh, and we now were. I, I want to talk about e-bikes, which is related. Now, first of all, people probably the general public, which is most of the listeners of this fine program, yes. probably don't realize that the e-bike, the electronic assisted bicycle, is yes. a thing. It is a widely thing. available. Yes, at your local bike shop. Yes. Three different kinds. Really? Yes. One will go 20 miles an hour only when you're pedaling it. And so it kind of gives your pedaling strokes a little boost. And then it cuts out at 20 miles an hour. Kind number two just goes up to 20 miles an hour and cuts out whether you're pedaling or not. And bike number three, class number three, goes up to 28 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. It's a little boost on the pedals and it cuts out at 28 miles an hour, but it only engages... While you're pedaling. So class yeah. one and three only engage when you're pedaling. Class two. It's like an electric. a throttle. And, it's, and they're battery powered. And, and I don't know how long the batteries last. but Probably depends but, yeah. on the model. Right. And how the much age. And yep. all that. All yep. that stuff. Just like your iPhone. Yep. yep. Now, here's, here's my, one of my first uh, uh, experiences with electronic bicycles, e-bikes. And I'd ridden one. You know, a friend of ours rides one. Her mom got one. Yep. Jody. Yep. And now she stole it from her mom. She rides it all the time. Yep. But, uh, and she goes normal speeds. I, first time I ran into this, I was, I saw a family of people out on the, uh, four, four people in the family, uh, two kids, two parents, two boys. And they were on the other side of the river from me. And I hear them talking. And all of a sudden I noticed that they're going unnaturally fast <laughs> for a family of four. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. And, and I hear them talking and I hear one of them say, I want to go 28 and see what happens. No helmets, no nothing. Uh-huh. Then they cross over to my side and I'm just kind of too long behind them watching to see what happens. And these are like teenage boys, all right? They're like 14, 15 years old. Right. So this, the, the, the possibilities here are endless. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, they are. But they got it cranked up going through Yankton Trail Park there. And, you know, they're turning around, looking at each other, having a good time. And I'm just thinking to myself, wow, is that fast? And this is a recipe mm-hmm. for disaster. Yeah. Are bike, e-bikes 
essentially, we'll talk about the bike trail first and then streets second. Mm-hmm. Are, are e-bikes a menace? It always depends on how they're being used. Mm-hmm. Um, so you talked about our friend who, who borrowed and kept her mother's. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend, he rides a gazillion miles a year, and his wife got an e-bike, and now she rides with him. Yeah, that's fabulous. Which is amazing. Um, but yeah, in the wrong hands, technology in the wrong hands can be disastrous for the individual and for other people. So Look at what the Russians did. Yeah. <laughs> Wee. <laughs> yes. Get them some e-bikes. Yeah. Yeah. So it depends on how it's being used and if it's being used responsibly. Um, and yeah, of course, testosterone riddled teenagers are, are going to, let's worst. go max. They're let's go worst. max. The, the thing that people probably don't know, however, and I didn't know until what, a week ago, is how they are classified by law. Yeah. Explain to the good people out there how an e-bike is looked upon by the law? Um, it depends on the state. Um, and and no, most states aren't legally or, or don't have legislation that prepares the state for what e-bikes are and what they aren't. Um, for South Dakota, in fact, um, there is no mention of e-bikes in any sort of law. And so if, uh, if an attorney were to look at the law, they would read that the best they could do would be to look, put e-bikes in a moped category. Which means a couple things. It probably means licensing. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean helmeting, right? We don't have a helmet no, law no. for oh, motorcycle God, no. riders, right? Um, it, pro- it means licensing and registration and all that. Um, and, and means not allowed on recreational trails. Like our bike trail. Like our bike trail. Um, and like Rapid City's bike trail. Mm-hmm. Um, Rapid City has news. Do, would you like to hear Rapid City's news? I would news? like to hear Rapid City's news. So last week, Rapid City Parks Board approved an ordinance change to exclude e-bikes, uh, probably class one, maybe class two, from their, from their definition of what's not allowed on the bike trail, which I think means that they are excluding it as a city from maybe that motor vehicle yeah. Um, classification. So they'll be now able to ride them on their bike. Now that's the parks board. That's an ordinance change. So their approval means it moves on to city council. Big so, fight. Everything in Rapid City is a big So fight. who knows what happens with city council, right? So if they say yes, well, that's a decent precedent for e-bike owners everywhere in the state. But, but if it doesn't pass, then it's bad for everybody. So we'll see what happens here. But right now, as the law stands, you can't ride your e-bike on the bike trail. So keep that in mind. Yes, that I don't is know. True. How, I don't know who's going to give you a ticket, but it could happen. Right. I don't know what that looks like. If it becomes a problem, it could look and bad for you back on. And if you're on the street, you're supposed to have a license. Right. So there you go. That's news. That's news. That's news for everybody out there that's involved in the in the biking industry. And uh, watch out. And again, the great rule for all these things: be nice, be safe, whether you're in your car or on your bike or whatever. I'm with that. He is the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen, and he's here most Thursdays, and we appreciate his input. Michael, thank you very much. Happy to be here. Thank you. Coming up next after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to chat with Scott Erisman of SouthCola.com. Good times. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with Guitar. 358 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And don't forget, tomorrow night, it's First Friday, downtown. All the good stuff downtown. There's music, block party at uh, uh, 8th and Railroad. There's food, vendors, beer, all the good stuff. Coming up next, after the news and weather, Mr. Scott Erisman. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh six on the Patrick Lally Show. Time for some cool jazz to bring in our next guest, Scott Erisman, blogger at SouthDakota.com. How are you doing? How are how renewing? <laughs> how are we doing? We kind of had a change change up the afternoon, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We were rocking out for Michael Christensen. Now we're playing JAS Quintet, local outfit. I love these guys. I used to work with Michael's dad. Oh, okay. There you go. JAS Quintet. May the Deuce brings in Mister. Erisman and uh, Scott, thanks for being here today. I yeah, really no appreciate problem. it. No problem. Um, so uh, uh, a couple things I was reading on your blog. 
uh, and I talked about this earlier. Mm-hmm. The uh, you've been following the school district's uh, process here to come up with a new building plan. Were you surprised by a hundred and ninety million dollars? Yes, because I think there were several people on the task force that are like kind of shaking. Jack Marsh was a big one that I think he he, he was pretty vocal about how this isn't that's that's a big number we got to get this down and last night when i was watching a meeting i was shocked mark cotter public works director bureaucrat for sioux falls yeah for the for city. Sioux falls bureaucrat yeah. a guy who knows about outlay funds let funds how this thing all works great guy to have on the task force with mike cooper he was the voice of reason he says why don't we take this down to 126 million since we're we're stretching this out over 10 years. Mm-hmm. This is their new plan. They're mm-hmm. going to stretch it out over 10 years, which is good. So your taxes won't go up all at once. Mm-hmm. They'll go up over 10 mm-hmm. years. And Mark says, you know, why don't we take this down to $126 million, make it a little bit more palatable, and then pay for the rest of this over the next 10 years through the capital outlay. Makes sense. Great idea. Yeah. And they go, no, 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 no. The financial people from the school board or school district. No, 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 no. We get, we don't know what Pierre's going to do. We don't know what Pierre's going to do. We got to, we got to, can't touch those capital outlay money. So basically, basically they're saying, no, we want 190 million and we want to spend our capital outlay money. That is interesting. They should. Yeah. And don't you think. And Mark just kind of, you know, he was going to argue with them. He just kind of, okay. It's a huge number. And, and it is a huge tax increase. They're trying well, to split it down. I don't think it it's a huge tax increase. I mean, it's because it's broad They're based. spreading it out, yeah. Yeah, but it's still a lot of money. You know what it's I mean? It's a lot of money. And people are going to have sticker shock. And they aren't, after that, they're it's just probably one of the listen. most expensive bonds the city's ever taken out. It's oh, got to be. got to be. Because the Lewis and Clark was 70, cost us 80, but it was 70 million. And then you had the event center where they didn't raise any taxes. They just, <laughs> yeah, right. they just they just and borrowed all y- of it. Yeah. yeah, and so this is a big deal. It's it's a lot, and and I don't know. It's going to fail if I, they I just, leave it like it is. It it's got to get is. a sixty percent passage yeah. in a standalone election, and if they think they're going to pull a super precinct on that, there's going to be. I've already heard a couple people meaning say they, fewer precincts. Right, yeah. they can't do that. They have to have, if it's a bond issue. They have to have all the precincts. I believe they do. And I don't know if anybody's checked on that, but we're doing a little digging on that. And it's it's got to be open to the entire city because there's a federal law, I guess, that basically says you can't, not, not the, I don't want to use the word discriminate. Disenfranchise. Disenfranchise a certain portion of the community. Yeah. And so super- they have to have precincts all over the city to have this vote. And at 190 million, why are we going to throw sixty thousand dollars in the garbage on an election that we know is going to fail? I mean, there's people on a task force going, "This is going to be a real hard sell." It is a hard sell. It is a huge hard sell. And don't you think, at some measure, it's sort of like, well, this is, I, I don't think anybody thinks about it this way, mm-hmm. but it, you could see it happening this way, where you say, "It's we got to have it." Okay. Oh yeah. This is what this is the best case scenario. It would, you know, like if in in a in a perfect world, 190 million, we take care of it all. Mm-hmm. But we know we're not in a perfect world. And the school board comes back and says, "Let's let's massage these numbers a little bit. Maybe it's a Mark Cotter idea. Maybe it's mm-hmm. you know putting off a few things or yeah, whatever they, do, they do to get that." And so it was 190 million, mm-hmm. and your eyes did the Jerry Seinfeld where they get, Whoa. yeah, and then <laughs> and then you come back and say, "Well, okay, no, 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 we'll take that down. It makes it more palatable. Mm-hmm. Politically, that's a little bit better strategy." I, as a person who's followed city elections, I just don't know, understand how any of them, any, even one of them, can think that that's going to pass. I, I by sixty, it's got to get sixty percent. This isn't this isn't a you know a false election like the event center where there's an <laughs> advisory vote that didn't matter. No, it's got to. This is a um, real deal. Yeah. They can't they can't fudge those numbers. I, I said in the first part of the show, it's a big number. I would still vote for it. But I'm easy. They already got me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people out there who see the number. That's all they know. And they're going to vote no. I think, too, that um, one of the factors, too, is that. And George Hahn came up and they almost forgot to do public input last night. I saw you. They passed that. the whole darn thing. <laughs> and Vernon Brown 
chair of the, the task force. He goes, okay, I guess we got nothing else. Let's go. And George Hahn's <laughs> yelling in the background, uh, can we say it? Can the public? You know, it's a public Whoops. meeting. And, you know, he basically, he starts talking about all kinds of stuff. But at the end, he talks about valuations and how home valuations and why people are in apartments because they can't afford homes and, you know, and they can't afford the taxes on homes. And, you know, you know it's this constant thing here. And, um, you know, and I liked what he said about how the future of education is the future of education, he said, in 100 year brick and mortar buildings or is the future of education not there. No, but we don't have a 100-year decision to make. They, mm. Yes, that building might last 100 years, mm. but we need the building in three. Yeah. That's the problem we have. And, you know, so, um, you know, I'm I'm inclined to think that it's going to get voted down, too, because just a lot of conservatives here, uh, a lot of people who vote in those elections are penny pinchers and, you know. And you got to get 60% yeah, of them, and that's the problem. Yeah, you, might you got to get it. It doesn't matter if 1,000 people show up or 10,000 people show up. You still got to get 60% of that group, and it's going to be it's gonna be tough. We're going to come right back and talk more with Mr. Scott Arisman. Of course, he is the blogger at SouthDakota.com, follows a lot of city issues, and we've been talking about the school board. We'll come back and talk about some other stuff here in just a second. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 419 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we continue with Cool Jazz Hour here with Scott Arisman of SouthDakota.com. We've been talking about school board stuff, uh, the big new building plan, but now we're talking about other stuff, politics. Uh, so I read uh, something, you, you've got a lot on your blog right now. Yeah. Okay, SouthDakota.com. But... Uh, the thing about the guns was pretty interesting because this deal in Hartford where or it wasn't Hartford, but there's been a bunch of guns stolen out of, out of cars, right? It, it amazes me that in South Dakota, people still don't lock the doors of their car, right. whether you have a gun in there or not. When I lived with my dad in Seattle in the late 80s, everyone locked the door of their car because car stereos were stolen a yeah. lot. And even if you didn't have, a lot of people would hide their stereos, you know? Mm-hmm. But people would still break into your car because you hide your amp and they'd climb underneath your dash and they'd yeah. pull it out. And so everyone locked the car and everyone locked the door of their house. But around here, for some reason, people don't lock the door. I'm always like, even if you didn't have a gun in your car, why wouldn't you lock the door of your car? You Sometimes people I, just rifling around in your car. You know, I, I have a I have an opinion on this in that sometimes if you're parking in the street, okay, just leave the doors open because it's worse if they decide they're just going to break the dang window. Mm-hmm. Just don't leave anything in there. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. To have it unlocked and leave a gun mm-hmm. in it yeah. is an, a, an entirely different and, issue. And, and that's my issue. If you locked your door and they stole the gun out of there, then I would say you you, you locked your door. So mm-hmm. um, don't leave it in plain view. That's dumb. Uh, but if you left your car unlocked with a loaded gun in view and you told the police, I left a cut uh, and it was unlocked you should be fine for that that's negligent it's negligence and you should get a fine for that because honestly it's true mm-hmm. and i just thought of this if if you left your doors unlocked you had a gun in there that was loaded yeah and a kid came along and accidentally shot another kid oh, cool a gun you'd be you be, would be negligent you'd be liable damn right you would be but just because nobody died yeah then you're a crime victim you you're right about that that's that's just negligence you should be more responsible. And it doesn't take away, and this is what I said to the gun person that freaked out on me about this. I said, it doesn't take away your Second Amendment rights. No. It's just saying, you have the right to own a gun, but you don't have the right to be an idiot. What if you left a, a you hand know? grenade yeah. on, the, on the seat of your car and yeah. you left it unlocked and somebody came along, stole it, and accidentally blew themselves up? You'd be liable. Yeah, you can't. And, and, and the cops get their guns back and just give them back to them. No. They shouldn't get their guns back, number one. They should get a fine, and they should have their license revoked for a couple of years. And then you can think about being a responsible gun owner. Actually teach them a lesson. Because what have you taught them? They left their car unlocked, someone stole the gun, yeah. they used it in a meth crime, and then, oh, here's your gun back. Just because you have right to the firearm doesn't mean you have a right yeah. to be do stupid stuff. That's what I mean. It. Yeah. No, I read that, and I was like, you know what? He's yeah, right. I mean, it's like we have all kinds of rights, but that doesn't give you the right to just do whatever you want to. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It was, yeah. it was a bunch of guns, three or four, right? I mean, a bunch. It was enough. And, it, and Sam Clemens is just like the, this information officer. for the, He's just like shaking his head like, 
Here we go again. Yeah. We got to explain to people that when you have a gun in your car, you should probably lock the door. <laughs> I mean, know. really? I know. Uh, we're here with Scott Erisman. Yeah. He is a blogger at SouthCola.com. Uh, what else going on? What else on your mind, man? Um, well, you probably heard we've the flag. You know, oh, the Sioux yeah, Falls the flag. flag is coming back. The informational, I believe, is on the... T- it's not on the 5th. It's on the 12th, I think. They're going to have a presentation uh, about the flag that was already picked a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And the council is probably going to vote for it. At least that majority. It's kind of already in place. It's already there. there. There's like 100. I was told the other day from one of the flag people that there's already been 100 flags printed. Oh, really? Um, uh, there's a guy here in town who's printing them and he wants to print more. Well, that's a whole other story. We won't get into that. <laughs> um but because you know, you know how people here are. It's not worth doing unless you can make money on it. You know. <laughs> but the flag people have told me that they got nothing to do with him. He, okay. That's his deal, and they want the flag for the betterment of the community and have a, a yeah. Flag. And so there so, was like a contest yes, to yeah. pick the flag. It was yeah. an online. And it was, deal. And, and this is my only thing. Whether you like to design or not, it doesn't matter. I'm going to suggest to the council, and I have talked to a couple of them about it. I don't think I'm going to get anywhere on it because the flag's already done. That. The way we should do it, I told one counselor today, is the way we should do it is if they want to resubmit this, fine. But there should be a contest, again, and it shouldn't be picked by internet vote. I'm, I'm, I, something like a flag that's going to be last a long time right. and it's going to be as our official, as our, they want an unofficial, fine. But mm-hmm. if it's an official flag, there should be a committee of people who know their crap. So you should have like an attorney. Uh, a professional designer, a mm-hmm. professional mm-hmm. artist, uh, you know. And, a concerned you know, citizen. And and this is how I said it should be done. So you can still have the public involved. What you do is you have this committee take all the designs and keep names off of it too. That's my other suggestion. These should be all not – when we give it to the committee, mm-hmm. they have no idea. No, that, yeah, that no, that's true. Sc- that Scott did this or whatever. And they pick the top five where they go – any of these flags would be fine. They work. They're perfect. They meet. There's a certain criteria mm-hmm. about colors and all that. I'm sure you know about that. Mm-hmm. And then they hand that those five over and then do the voting. And they go, and now the public can pick one of these. And I would be okay with that. But not having a professional committee of some sort, volunteer committee of some sort. I've been in a lot of juried art shows. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you what the quality in a juried art show compared to, sure. you know, the the barnyard you arts, know, and craft. arts and craft show juried shows have a higher quality and there's a reason why you 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 got to have a jury picking these things and not just an internet vote internet votes unreliable anyway you can go to different Stuff computers is- and vote for multiple yeah, i mean yeah. that's my complaint about it i don't care what the flag looks like I you just, have your own design yeah i design one it's on the on your website you know it's probably not the best one but i thought it was pretty cool well it's because it's yours that's right. And so now we, we so they're going to make it official. That's what's going to happen. They probably are. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, now we will know that we have a mm-hmm. false flag. Now I'm used to it. Actually, mm-hmm. now I know what it is. When yeah. I first saw it, I didn't really like it, but now I know what it is, and it's. I understand it. Yeah. I understand what why why it's jagged. Why the yeah. falls are jagged. It means technology. You know, well, instead of you yours know. is more sweeping, yes. more grand. Yes. Okay. Well, you can go see it at SouthCola.com. Scott Arisman, he's in here from time to time because. He's, he'll come on the show when I need him, and that's what's important. <laughs> Scott, thank I you. I wanted to leave work early. Anyway. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Thanks for being here, man. I yep. appreciate it. Thanks. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, uh, we've got Chantel Krebs, candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives in the Tuesday Republican primary. We'll do all that in just a moment. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four thirty-four on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And I play a little country music there, folky country music for our next guest, Chantel Krebs. She is a Republican candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives in your Tuesday election, primary election, if in fact you are a Republican. Chantel joins us from somewhere on the road between here and pier. Chantel, where are you? Uh, you know what? We're actually at Chamberlain. We pulled over right here in front of Al's Oasis. How about that? Yeah, well, iconic Al's Oasis. That's a good place to stop because we don't want people out there driving, you know, distractedly. So I'm, That's I'm glad. That's why we you... stopped. Yeah, no, thank we're you. On, we're, 
we're on our way back to the office here. We got obviously official duties to take care of right away in the morning, and so we want to get back to work. Awesome. Say, uh, I want to ask you about a couple quick uh, uh, issues here as we head towards the primary election. First of all, trade, something we talk about on this program a lot. Uh, more news today about tariffs on uh, Canadian and uh, Mexican steel. Uh, we pulled out of the TPP and uh, we're renegotiating NAFTA. All of these things seem to be counter to what's best for uh, South Dakota farmers who have benefited greatly from uh, multilateral trade policies. Um, is, is the president taking us down the wrong road on trade? You know, I hear, here's what I want to talk about with trade. First of all, tariffs and trade. Uh, what I believe in is, first of all, free and fair trade. And I'll give you an example. This is really interesting. When I went to China in 2012, uh, representing South Dakota agriculture, I saw firsthand in China the the stealing of the intellectual property over there. And I got a great story. We're driving along and going past a van, and on the van has the reflector tape. And on the reflector tape, uh, it has the word 3N, not 3M, 3N. And, of course, uh, interestingly enough, of course, 3M does business over there, but a new company had started up in China, and uh, it was 3N, and pretty much stealing and swiping the intellectual property of 3M. And that's exactly what President Trump is trying to combat and protect our American businesses and our American you know, farmers and ranchers here, and that's the way he's having to do that. It's fair and free trade is what this is about. Pulling out of the TPP, though, didn't have anything to do with China. China wasn't one of the signees on TPP. In fact, TPP was meant the Trans-Pacific Partnership was intended to actually be a bulwark against China's uh, uh, trade policies. Many people say that by leaving that, we weakened our hand there and actually opened up markets. Uh, we, aren't, we are no longer involved in the negotiations, so we lost a bunch of markets other than China. Is that, well, is, was well, leaving TPP, how, how does leaving the TPP relate to intellectual property in China? Well, I appreciate that question because President Trump just recently had announced that he would like to maybe re-engage in this conversations with the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and we would absolutely be in favor and support that. But more importantly is maybe not the entire group of the 11 countries within that Trans-Pacific Partnership, but maybe specifically trying to get an even better deal with bilateral agreements with countries one-on-one and direct. And I think that's the whole point is that he's trying to get an even better deal, just like what he's doing with NAFTA. And I think that's the point that we need to hold back and wait and see. You know he's trying to negotiate a better deal for the American workers, of course, first. And then second and foremost is an American farmer and our South Dakota farmers and ranchers. That's what he's trying to do. So it's not. Well, so what you you just said. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What you just said is what I say is that he's using political leverage of the farmers in the Rust Belt, that American workers in the Rust Belt come first, farmers are second. That's what I just heard you say. No, I, I'm sorry. If I pointed out, second point to me is the saying that our South Dakota farmers, ranchers have every right to be concerned. And the next step for President Trump is, of course, to to work to do a direct negotiation, a bilateral agreement with those particular countries in the TPP. And that's what I appreciate about him is saying, I want to get an even better deal, whether it be for a steel or whatever else it may be. But he also is looking at our American farmers and ranchers, and that's South Dakota, too. China, like China buys one-third of our soybeans right now. They already have canceled soybean orders for the fall. So, and soybean prices are depressed because of the, the pending trade war. That's taking money out of South Dakota farmers' pockets. What do you need to see from the Trump administration to be able to reassure those farmers that they're not going to lose money in this deal? Well, first of all, communication. And I know that's important with our United States Trade Representative, Mr. Lighthizer, to share those concerns. And interestingly, I just had a conversation with uh, Kevin Scott, who is a soybean farmer over by Valley Springs, and of course has endorsed me on my campaign, but he's on the American Soybean Association's board as the board secretary for the American Soybean Association. And he was just in Washington, D.C., sharing those same concerns. And I think that's what he's, what even Kevin Scott said, is that let's wait and see what's happening. He knows he's using that as a negotiation tool. At the same time, they're cautiously saying, Let's just wait and see. We know what he's trying to do, and I think that's what we're trying to say. Let's just wait and see what he's what he's going to do long term. Uh, we're with talking with Chantel Krebs. She is the one of the three Republican candidates for the House of Representatives in the Tuesday primary for you Republicans out there, and uh, against uh, Dusty Johnson and Neil Tapio. And we're going to hold over uh, Chantel Krebs here, and we're going to come right back after this short break, and we're going to talk about some more issues on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. 
the sun will shine today. 344 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Chantel Krebs. She is Secretary of State of South Dakota and also on the Republican primary ballot and the Tuesday election for the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, Chantel, we talked a little bit about trade. I want to move on to some other issues. Um, tell me what your thoughts are on on the, the uh, special counsel investigation into Russian meddling. And do you have concerns long term about the Russians' ability to affect disorder in our country when it comes to elections? Uh, wait a second. Woo. Oh, can you hear me okay, Patrick? There we go. Chantel Krebs. Go. Uh, uh, did you hear my question? I'm sorry. I did. It kind of cut in and out, but I think I got it. So I okay, think you're great. asking about the election and, and uh, concerns of Russian meddling. And so as your Secretary of State, uh, Patrick, it's something that's very close to my heart. And obviously, first and foremost, safe and secure elections are what I am, we, are, we administer here in South Dakota. And I want to talk about that because... I love talking about that. With an election coming up, I get very passionate about this. And how I thought you would. I thought you yeah. would. <laughs> well, first of all, um, even on the front end with voter registration, there's a series of background checks that to even become a registered voter in South Dakota that you have to go through. So making sure, of course, that you are registered. We're doing background checks on any felony background uh, issues. We're checking to see if your dad is meaning death records. And, of course, we're cross-matching across the Social Security Administration. So before you even become registered, there's a series of background checks. So that's one security. Then the other part is on Election Day, of course, voter ID requirements on Election Day. And, of course, in South Dakota, we use paper ballots here. That's probably the most important emphasis that I can point out. That's why South Dakota doesn't have to worry, because we use paper ballots. We use no online voting machines or no tabulation for online uh, equipment. And you're seeing a shift from a states that have used an online platform for online voting going back to paper, and that's been a topic of discussion. Do you, so I, I want to point out in South Dakota there is no concern because mm-hmm. we do not use Internet-based voting machines because we use paper ballots. Mm-hmm. The, the issue as you become, if you become a member of Congress, however, is broader than South Dakota, obviously. And what do you think, do you think that... Um, the Mueller investigation, which started as uh, part of it, is about whether or not the Russians are uh, inf- interfering with our elections and to the degree to which that is happening. Are you are you confident in that investigation or what what are your thoughts on where that stands and what should happen? Obviously, it includes the president and the, and the potential uh, they're looking into issues of collusion, et cetera, et cetera. But at its core, it's about Russian meddling in the elections. And not just here, but abroad. I mean, what are your concerns long term as a member of Congress in terms of what Russia is doing and what we should do in terms of a response? Sure. Well, I feel that the most important support that is the Department of Justice works with the Elections Assistance Commission and our congressional uh, delegates vote to support funding to help support any assistance that states may need to beef up their security measures. And that's something that they have been talked have talked about. And Congress actually is supporting uh, with more funding for states, specifically for election security measures for those states that do use online platforms or, or portals. And I think that's the, probably the first step. Is, I think the bigger picture is just cybersecurity in general, whether it be in the banking industry or personal lives. Cybersecurity is always going to be a concern, no matter whether it be in elections or your banking industry or your personal information being shared on uh, uh, online transactions. That, I think, is the bigger concern that we have to focus on. And I love to talk about that, too, because my alma mater, Dakota State University in Madison, is leading the charge on you know, election and security measures and cybersecurity research with their uh, Ph.D. program. So partnering with universities uh, like Dakota State University to advance uh, that research on cybersecurity as a whole, not just in elections, but in all areas, and that our, you know, our federal government encourages um, you know, partnerships with the National Security um, Council, the NSA, those are all partnerships that they can do, like Dakota State is doing right now to prevent. I mean, essentially what Dakota State's doing is they're training hackers to hack hackers. I mean, that's what they're doing mm-hmm. in a Ph.D. level, and that's, 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 that's an important investment that our universities are making right here in South Dakota at Dakota State. Um, let's talk about health care for just a moment. You have uh, uh, been an advocate of, of dismantling uh, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. Um, what 
steps do you think, hard steps that can be taken to uh, make sure that uh, people's health insurance isn't uh, so wildly expensive that it's unaffordable? Well, that's one topic that everyone talks about on the campaign trail. I always try to make a point to stop into Main Street businesses. Having been a former business owner on downtown Sioux Falls and owned a small little retail store, I, I like to ask them, what are the issues that you're challenged with and facing as a small business owner? Because that's the heart and soul of South Dakota is small mom and pop shops. And probably the couple areas that they talk about. Number one is just federal government getting in the way. And that's you know, their frustration. I agree. Federal government's in the way of their businesses. We got to get federal government out of the way of business. But what Ever does that mean in terms of health care? Yeah. I mean, it's the, the insurance market. OK, so yeah. the reason we have that. Obamacare is because insurance had become uh, uh, unaffordable for a lot of people. So what's the solution to high insurance rates if you get rid of the Affordable Care Act? That's that's sure. the core question. Well, yep. And I was getting to that. So our Main Street businesses are also talked about health care costs, that a lot of them have chosen not to even have health care because of the cost. And they're even ones that have looked into the Obama exchange, and it, it was too costly for them, or it didn't provide the options that they wanted or needed, and it wasn't going to work for them. It wasn't a fit. So obviously it's not working. The options aren't working. And these are just small Main Street business owners that have told me that. So what we need to do is to make that more competitive. And I feel that real peel and replace is start over and say, we need to open up with competition. That's the whole point of healthcare to be successful is putting that care and that control. Are you talking about healthcare competition between healthcare organizations or, con- or competition between insurance organizations? Both. It's both. It's healthcare insurance. So being able to sell insurance across state lines to be more competitive so that a patient can have more options. So many times I think patients have two or three choices and that's all because they have two or three plans to pick from. But sometimes that patient wants maybe just one area or a certain area of just maybe long-term care or catastrophic, giving them more options to choose from. But that's the competition coming from the insurance company. So that component of being able to sell insurance across state lines, that opens up competition. Uh, Number two, in the healthcare itself, the providers. I think we know that we have good healthcare providers, but also we have a lot of physician-owned hospitals and physician-owned uh, clinics that those would be the competition that is provided within the healthcare uh, facilities, and that's the same thing. It's just, just like minute, in my just, small business, just, I have a question for you. I have a question for you, just as a clarification, because I'm not sure what you said there. Are you saying that we need more physician-owned facilities to compete with uh, the general hospital uh, sector, or that they are upsetting the competitive balance? I don't understand what you're saying there. Sure, sure. So physician-owned hospitals or physician-owned clinics, I think, are a very uh, strong option for our our patients to decide. So if a patient wants to choose to go to uh, a privately-owned physician hospital, then that's their choice. That makes competition. Just like I said in small business, I was a shoe store owner, and I'd love to have had a shoe store across the street from me in downtown Sioux Falls. Competition's healthy. It makes you better. It makes you obviously give your patients more options, or for me, the customer more options. Can I ask? Can I ask you one? Can I ask you one point on that as well? Which is, the hospitals will say the general hospitals, Sanford and Avera, will say that they oppose and have opposed for a long time physician-owned facilities, surgical centers, etc., because they're able to only take the patients that they want to take. Therefore, they get to cherry pick in terms of what procedures are the most profitable, and they can also turn away people who can't pay. So sure. it, puts, it actually puts the uh, uh, general hospitals at a competitive disadvantage because they can't do that. So what is the solution? Uh, you, and you well know Sanford and Avera have opposed uh, physician-owned facilities for a long, long time. Um, are you saying that the, I believe there's currently a, a, a freeze on new beds for physician don't. Are you saying you want to take that freeze off and allow unfettered competition? Sure. That section 6001 of the Affordable Care Act is specifically what you're talking about. Well, it was in place before the Affordable Care Act. But it's a part of the Affordable Care Act now, correct? Sure. But the debate has been going on long before the Affordable Care Act. Sure. So what I'm saying is that, yes, I feel that, and, and even talking with our Avera physicians and our Avera leadership, uh, they have a partnership with uh, the Avera Heart Hospital, which is, of course, physician-owned and Avera-owned, and that 50-50% partnership is very successful. 
And I think that's a perfect example of how success can be a balance when they say that they're chair picking. That's a perfect example of balance and success that have provided great care for our patients right here in Sioux Falls. And how about the specialty hospital? The, spe- the Sioux Falls Surgical Center, the specialty hospital is currently working under a cap on surgical beds. Should that be taken off? Section 6001, which is the one that has the moratorium, like I was talking about, uh, that is the, where it has the moratorium on there. And I think that's something that should be looked at and repealed, uh, or the Obamacare, or excuse me, the Affordable Care Act is repealed. That would be a part of that repeal. Okay. Um, that's why I was just trying to get to the point. I wanted to understand you. Um, we're out of time. Chantel, thank you very much for pulling over on the side of the road uh, and, and being a safe driver. I really appreciate that. Uh, and uh, good luck on Tuesday. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you. Coming up, we'll finish up here on the Patrick Lally Show and uh, finish up the day. Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 458 here on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Just a reminder, big debate tonight on uh, KSFY's channel, second channel, the CW. Gubernatorial candidates Christy Nome and Marty Jackley. That debate starts at seven, and uh, I'll be live. Uh, I'll be live tweeting it at P Lally Show, and then uh, doing some post game analysis there at KSFY. So tune in on the CW tonight if you want to see me. <laughs> uh, coming up tomorrow, we got a big show. Speaker of the House Mark Mickelson will be with us to talk about revisions to Marcy's Law, which is on the Tuesday ballot. We'll talk with Madeline Shields at the banquet. The Buffalo Maiden is the weird friend. And Thea Miller-Ryan of the Outdoor Campus will stop by for her regular visit. It's going to be a blast. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Illumination.